0: Broadcasting from The Graduate, room 214 in Oxford, Mississippi. This is the Campus Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Daryl. This is episode 35, Jesus King and God's Enemies.
1: And so enemies. Precious in his hand Hoping and hope that he might see it grow Knowing that the harvest might well come before the bloom he runs on his way, there's no time to be going slow. Hurry, take what you've got. Welcome,
0: everybody, to the Campus Preacher you Podcast, can. a podcast designed to encourage and equip you in the work of evangelism on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, flfnetwork.com or crosspolitic.com, or you can visit my website, campuspreacher.com. Um, yes, episode 35. We're going to be addressing something we wanted to address last week. Kind of ran out of time uh, the nature of uh, kind of discussing God's enemies in the context of evangelism, and also what we're going to discuss Jesus King. Um, so I'm kind of glad that Kanye came out with an album on uh, basically kind of a Christian album where he raps about Jesus and being a Christian and sin and forgiveness and all this stuff. There's, so a lot of good stuff on the album. If you have not listened to it, I think it's worth listening to. Uh, there's just quite a few things in there that I just think are, are really good. I really like Close on Sunday and especially the line where he says, uh, "Close on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A. You're my number one with the lemonade. Raise our sons, train them in the faith. Through temptations, make sure they're wide awake. Follow Jesus, listen and obey. No more living for the culture, we nobody's slaves. And uh, there are a couple other lines in there uh, within the whole album uh, that I think are quite good as well. And one of the things I like about it is the simplicity. I saw an interview with him and they asked him, uh, you know, what what do you hope people get, a, get from this album? He just said the title, Jesus King. And a few years ago, I began to think about this issue a little bit more. Uh, Basically, in my evangelism, I feel like oftentimes I I do too much. Um, And the simplicity that Jesus Christ is king. So in the early church, they confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in the context of the Roman Empire, very easy, very straightforward confession. In contrast to Rome, in contrast to Caesar, Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. The kingdom of God is against the kingdom of Rome. And so in a similar fashion, I began to think like, how can we simplify this thing a little bit? And you think of political campaigns, uh, you know, hope and change for Barack Obama. Um, I don't remember what Hillary's was. That's how bad her campaign was. Um, Maybe the future or something like that. But then you have Barack, uh, everybody knows uh, MAGA. Everybody knows Make America Great Again. Um, Simple political campaign uh, that everybody got. The Reformation, the Five Solas, Pretty simple, straightforward, that a child can understand. And so there's a a good place to having creeds and confessions and organizing ideas um, that enables people to kind of grasp simply. And so I think the whole idea basically that Jesus Christ is King is a very good, straightforward uh, idea that everybody can get on, especially in the context of a democracy. Uh, because it sets itself up in total contrast to democracy where we kind of hate the idea of a monarch and a king and someone ruling over us when we come along and say, nope, Jesus is king. And so I'm thankful for Kanye's album and the basic idea of kingship. And that actually ties in well um, with this week's uh, podcast and a couple clips that I don't wanna play from campus, which just kind of deals with um, God and his enemies. So I got them preaching one day. Um, this was from James Madison University, and a young man comes up to me and asks me about, uh, you made a comment about God's enemies. So the first clip we're going to play is me answering, uh, interacting with him briefly on God's Enemies. And then the second clip, um, the the audio's not great, um, which is frustrating because that day at JMU, I don't know if someone around me had like a pacemaker on or what, but there's just kind of this underlying buzz for about three hours of recording that are kind of wasted now. And I, I think there are a handful of really good conversations in there. And I'm still going to maybe play some of them because I think uh, some of the dialogues were decent or helpful, point in the right direction. But unfortunately, there's an underlying But So what we're gonna do today is this. I'm gonna play uh, the first clip of a young man asking me about um, what, what I mean by God's enemies, flush that a little bit, and then I'm, I'll make a comment or two on that, then we'll come back and uh, listen to
2: another clip. Question, comment, demand, or anything?
1: something about an enemy of God. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by
2: that? Um, I mean that when we, uh, that God is king, um, he's the Lord is the term they use in the Old Testament, and when you live outside of his rules and his laws, uh, you're at enmity towards him, and so you become an enemy of his kingdom. So, kind of like, again, not a perfect analogy, but even you know, our little democracy, we have enemies, uh, people who oppose our little democracy and our kingdom, and uh, and so we often go to war with those people. So I'd say the people who are outside of. Uh, the will of God are our enemies of God and but God loves his enemies and what I'm out here to maintain is We know that God loves his enemies because of the death the burial and resurrection of Jesus So God's desire is to be reconciled to his enemies uh, But you and I when we're lying we're deceiving we're using one another we're greedy We're selfishly ambitious all these things are contrary to God's character and they reveal that we're enemies of God and What when we repent and believe and pledge our allegiance to the king he forgives us of all of our sins and brings us into his kingdom and the laws that you mentioned, those are the Ten Commandments. So. Uh, well, they're part of the Ten Commandments. They're outworking of the covetous desires. Don't be, you know, covetousness and murder and all that sort of stuff. So it's a fruit of the of the commandments. But ultimately, the standard is is God's character and God's law, which is revealed the Ten Commandments. It's often expanded a little broader than that. But um, yeah, so like greed's not mentioned in ten, unless you want to put it under covetousness. So. Yeah, so, so all the laws of the Bible, I would say, is, is the, I don't want to say all because it has to be nuanced. But I would just say that, yeah, anything that's not conforming with God's character is a sin.
1: Even if he was a good man, like some individual was like a good person, you know, he helped others, you know, was taught by, he was a good seed, but...
2: Yeah, I would say even the best of us have sin. So I've, I've yet to meet someone who hasn't lied or been greedy or selfish. Uh, so even our definition of good, so when the standard of good is God, you realize that there's no one good. Uh, When the standard of good is our culture, we think there are plenty of good people. So that's that's what I'm saying. So if if your standard is me for being good, you might be better than me. You know what I mean? But if your standard is God and his character, have you loved like he did? Have you been truthful like he has? Have you been faithful like he has? Um, That's the standard of judgment, not not our culture. And so culturally, we have plenty of good men. um, but, But spiritually, I would say there's no one good. Does that make sense? In a basic way? So yeah, if you just think of a king having enemies of his kingdom uh, who won't submit to his law and don't want his rule over them, that that's what that's the heart of sin, is that, that we don't want the king to rule over us.
1: And but I'm also
2: saying the king's a servant. He came and washed our feet. He's the one who comes down to wash us. It's not it's not I'm not out here to hype up your emotions. And say get morally better. I'm saying God has come down to wash your feet. God God. God cleanses us. God's the one who comes to wash us. And so the whole nature of the gospel is how God pursues us, not our pursuit of God. So I'm out here actually to maintain that our sin has separated us from God, but God's the one who constantly pursues us, and it's manifest in the cross of God's ultimate love for us. And so all you have to do is believe that message. He wipes you clean of all your sins, no human effort, no human merit. Nothing that you do uh, can make yourself attainable to God. That's why God sent His Son into the world, died, died for the sins of the world, and washes you and cleanses you.
0: So that's a uh, pretty straightforward answer. What do I mean by enemies of God? I think the simple way to understand that is in the context of a king and people in rebellion to him. And the king ought to put down uh, the enemies of his kingdom. Uh, But what Christianity does is that uh, Jesus Christ comes along. He seeks to serve his enemies. And that leads to this uh, discussion. I'm having. It's actually a really good discussion I have with two young women who were feminists um, who had questions regarding some of the things that they heard that I believed, and regarding women, where they, even rumors begin to fly that I don't think women should be in school, which I, I've never ever ever articulated. And uh, even at the beginning of this recording, I said, "Nope, uh, go get as educated as you can." Uh, but blessed are you when people lie, slander, and hate, say all manner of false things against you. And so we start to have this discussion, and basically they're atheists and humanists, and we start getting the idea of degrees of sin. And uh, where we're getting at here was basically I said no, nope, all sins and blasphemies would be forgiven except for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and they wanted blasphemy of the Holy Spirit to be a lesser sin than killing somebody because, and I said, well, well that's basically because you're humanists, and that's basically where we're picking up here. So they want some sort of, it's, and it's like everybody, everybody you know, if you ask them about sin, they'll they talk about the second half of the Ten Commandments. Well, I haven't murdered, I haven't stolen, blah blah blah. or I have stolen, but it hasn't been that major. Uh, I'm sure I've lied. So the nature of the average humanist takes the commandments towards our fellow man and tries to, they don't really take them seriously, but at least understand those. They never take them as being theological in nature. So that's where I pick up this discussion is that I'm laying out to them that, no, your ideas are humanistic rather than theological in nature. And my position, being God-centered, um, sees blasphemy of the Holy Spirit as the greatest uh, of the sins. And as Jesus himself says, um, all their sins and blasphemies for, will be forgiven, except for blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and that's where we pick up.
2: And so, yeah, because because you're be, yeah because you're well you're an atheist and a humanist. So so your your morality is fundamentally human rather than fundamentally so theological. Right? Uh, yeah. depend Depending you? on our term, I'm fundamentally theological. I'm fundamentally a Christian. So m- all of my ethic is fundamentally theological. Oh, you value mm. I follow Yahweh word over human life. So a um, I, I, yes, I value Yahweh and His Word over all things. And so I'm not going to kill you in any way. Yahweh doesn't call me to kill you. Uh, so I would not just run around and be like, oh, yeah, go, go kill these people. But I, I, I if, if someone wanted, I would hopefully, you know, let's just say theoretically, you come out here and say, recant the Bible, I'll kill you. Hopefully I would say, nope, I believe the Bible. Um, hopefully that's what I would do. It's tough to say what you do in, in those situations. But in the early church, they would say Jesus Christ is Lord. That was their allegiance, and so the Roman Empire was literally hoisting them on stakes and setting them on fire, feeding them to lions. And Christians would not recant. I would like to think in those situations my allegiance is to Jesus, and but realize that Jesus loves his enemies. He laid down his life for his enemies. So my response to that is not I'm going to go kill you. But I'm going to lay my my life for my enemies. I love my enemies. I like I don't really you guys aren't like enemies in like traditional sense of the word. but There's also a certain certain level of like we don't, we don't agree with one another. But my desire as a Christian would be to lay down my life for my enemies, as Christ laid down his life for me while I was his enemy. So the Christian ethic is rooted in love, not violence or things like that. And so when people do do those things in the name of Jesus, they're hypocrites. So that would be where, I, but I do value God and his word above all of humanity. My allegiance is to him, but, and I was kind of going back to the idea, but in having allegiance to him it actually benefits the rest of humanity because I believe this is what it means to be human, to so love God, love your neighbor. That's the fullness of what it means to be a human. And if that's, if that's true, me loving God is actually beneficial to you guys out here who are, even if you disagree with me yeah well that, that's that's where we're coming from yeah so anything else i can clarify any other questions comments demands rebukes exhortations okay god bless. emma and kenzie god bless you guys enjoy your day
0: so that's emma and mackenzie trying to explain to them that uh blasphemy the holy spirit is the greatest of sins, uh, according to Jesus, and that it will not be forgiven. And that whole discussion kind of intertwined with the ideas of degrees of sin and not all sin being equal, etc. cetera. Um, but the basic idea that I was trying to lay out to them is that uh, what Christians seek to do is to love their enemies. And as I'm uh, thinking about it more, even uh, preaching today, I was preaching at the Old Miss, uh, which was pretty good gay, not a, not a big crowd by any stretch of the imagination. It only had like maybe 20 people uh, throughout the day. Um, but spending a lot of time on just the nature of uh, God becoming a man and coming to wash and cleanse uh, and you know serve his enemies and our presence in this culture. And I'd say right now this kind of ties in the postmillennial aspect of what, of what I talked about last week. So I, we are postmillennial, broadly speaking. Some days I'm awed depending on how well things are going. But the, the basic idea is that uh, through the church in history – um a golden age of some sort comes and i think what we need to remind ourselves now especially as we are losing the culture and it might be tempting to become more shrill or something like that but that we win just as jesus won through death and resurrection and so we win the culture by humbling ourselves so philippians chapter 2 have this mind in you which was also in christ jesus who though being in the very nature of god did not consider equality with god something grasped but he humbled himself to the point of death even death on a cross and so in a similar mind if we capacity if we had that mind in ourselves then we'd be ones who serve the culture and amidst rebuking and thinking we're prophetic and calling the the culture and the church and all that sort of stuff to repentance um i think what we'll find is that we win long term by humbling ourselves and serving and so we need to somehow figure that out uh i don't do it well uh so uh, you guys can hold me to it. I'll hold you to it. And by the grace of God, talk to the people in your community, in your church, meditate upon the scriptures and don't be like the Gentiles who lord over others, uh, but learn to serve uh, for the proud will be humbled and the humbled will be exalted. And so we need to humble ourselves and God uh, will in the long term exalt the church. So that's this episode of the Campus Church Podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, exhortations, you can reach me on Campus Evangel, on the Twitter, uh, Facebook, Keith Darrell, uh, Campus Preacher, I believe, on Instagram and keith at campuspreacher.com if you have any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, or exhortations. Talk to you next week.
1: Behold, a so went forth to sow Bearing precious seed in his hand Hoping and hope that he might see it grow Knowing that the harvest might well he runs on his way, there's no time to be going slow. Hurry, take what you've got, do with it what you can.